The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. The show today is presented by MyBookie at MyBookie.com and MyBookie.ag. Guys, if you already have a place where you're wagering on sports, I would take MyBookie's free money. They are offering a doubling of your first deposit all the way up to $1,000. So if you deposit $300, bucks, you will have $600 in your account. You deposit $500, you'll have $1,000 in your account. If you deposit $1,000, you'll have $2,000 in your account to gamble with. All right. It's free money. Very few gambling sites are giving out this offer right now where where they're doubling your first deposit dollar for dollar up to a thousand dollars. So I would take their free money even if I had another site. And then I would just use my bookie either to gamble with if the point spreads and the prop bet numbers are better there versus the other site. You can comparison shop on those kinds of things with my bookie. They've got everything you want for Super Bowl 56. Plenty of prop bets. Let's look at the receiver numbers right now. Cooper Cup has the largest over-under number on catches and yards. Catches is 8.5. If you think Cooper Cup's going to have you know, nine catches or more, you bet over. If you think he's going to have eight catches or less, you bet under. Eight and a half for him. By the way, the highest on the other side for Cincinnati, um, both T. Higgins and Jamar Chase's catch total uh, over-under number um, is five and a half. Yardage-wise, Cup's got the highest yardage at 106.5 reception yards over-under, and it's 80.5 for Jamar Chase for Cincinnati. Uh, Go to mybookie.com or mybookie.ag. Use my promo code. If there's something already written in the promo code, erase it and write Kevin DC, and you'll get free money up to 1000 bucks to wager with. By the way, I was looking at their futures odds on next year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 57. The co-favorites right now are Kansas City and Buffalo. So Cincinnati's in the Super Bowl, um, but your co-favorites to win the Super Bowl next year are two AFC teams, Buffalo and Kansas City. Uh, The team in the NFC with the best odds, um, the Rams, they're in the Super Bowl right now, uh, followed by the Niners and the Packers and the Cowboys. Obviously, Tom Brady retiring. Um, from Tampa. Um, if you're wondering where Washington is, uh, they're down the list a ways. I think only five NFC teams have worse odds or longer odds to win Super Bowl 57 than Washington. Uh, Philadelphia's got much better odds, and obviously Dallas does uh, as well in the NFC East. All right. 
I want to start with um, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, there was a picture um, that was uh, floating around the internet all weekend long and certainly on Twitter uh, over the weekend. Um, I saw it when Michael Phillips tweeted it out. It was a picture from, I think, an NFC practice session out in Vegas for the Pro Bowl. By the way, just real, real quickly on the Pro Bowl, what was that? Was that normal? I don't watch the Pro Bowl a lot, but when did tackling get outlawed like completely like there were there was no tackling in the game uh, you know the um from a gambling perspective for those that care uh for those that don't i still think it's interesting the over under for the game yesterday somebody told me was 64 that's not a very high total for a pro bowl i wonder if the odds makers knew that there was no tackling in the game you know, I, I know that the Pro Bowl's become kind of a laughing stock of a game and not real football, but yesterday it really wasn't football. It was it was first contact and the player was down. I tuned in for five minutes and I really thought that I wasn't watching I, I thought that the rules had changed. People said no, the rules didn't actually prohibit tackling in the game, but clearly there was an understanding between players and referees that first contact and the player was down, but it was very arbitrary. It was very uh, inconsistent because I saw a couple of big runs where it looked like there was some contact or some touching that they allowed and others that they didn't. But whatever. Um, you know, if you watched that thing for more than five minutes, bless you. I bet you it did a good number. But if the, if the game continues that way, I can't imagine that people will actually tune in and watch it. It's not football. Um, and maybe there was some entertainment in terms of interviews, I guess, maybe, I don't know. Um, but, um, but anyway, back to Russell Wilson. So anyway, um, Michael Phillips tweeted out this picture and he wrote, I'm sure everybody will be super rational about this. And, uh, I'm sure that was, um, that, that, that was funny because of course, People weren't going to be rational. It's like, hey, Russell Wilson and John Allen, you know, our leader, you know, on the team. He's hanging out with 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 John and his wife. Ciara likes John's wife. Who knows? I, I don't know about any of that. Here's what I know from two totally reliable sources. Um, and you guys know that I don't have news very often. But when I've had it in the past, it's been pretty much right almost every single time. Now, being right here isn't doesn't mean that Russell Wilson's going to end up in Washington. But what I know from two sources is that Russell Wilson is not against playing in Washington. He's not against it. Last year at this time, if you recall, he had a wish list with four teams on it and Washington was not one of them. I think if somehow a reporter got to Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson gave a wish list for 2022 that Washington might be on it. What I've learned, and from a very two very reliable sources, is that Washington would not be a definite no for Russell Wilson, that there would be some interest. Remember, he's from Richmond. And Washington, of the places that desperately need a quarterback, would be probably the biggest market. Pittsburgh, Denver in the AFC, Carolina, New Orleans, Washington, I guess Tampa now needs a quarterback in Tampa, the Tampa St. Pete market, while not as big as Washington is, you know, a good size market with great weather, of course, but Washington would be the biggest market 
of the markets where quarterbacks are definitely needed. Now, you know, we don't know what Indy's going to do. We don't know what Minnesota's going to do. There are other teams. You know, uh, Tennessee might move on, who knows, from Tannehill. Um, But I think what makes this important or what made it interesting to me is that we always talk about, well, they're not going to want to come to Washington. Well, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson aren't going to want to come to Washington. You know, we live in the day-to-day uh, shenanigans and, you know, um, and just the, the dysfunction that is the Washington Commanders, I guess. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get used to saying that. Organization. You know, it's a shit show of an organization. And who would want to be here? You know, Dan Snyder is reviled. Um, people, you know, agents, uh, players, coaches, they all know what an absolute mess this place is. Now, with that said, and Albert Breer spelled it out last week and we talked about it, you know, there's a reasonable case to be made that the football situation isn't that terrible compared to some places. And by the way, let me also emphasize that Ron Rivera is very well respected. You know, and Mayhew and Herney, I, I mean, I think they're well respected. I think I think uh, Mayhew is for sure. And I think Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio are well respected. Um, so, you know, and you have everything that Breer spelled out, all the things we know, right? An offensive line that was, you know, a little bit underrated, even they're gonna, even though they're going to be losing their best offensive lineman, more likely than not in free agency. Um, there was some depth there. Um, there's a really good young receiver in McLaurin. There's a really good young tight end in Logan Thomas. Hopefully, Curtis Samuel comes back healthy. Antonio Gibson, really good young back. Foundation on defense. Lots of cap room. Yada, yada, yada. So it's not the worst football situation. But I thought, you know, um, when, when I got this information – uh, over the weekend, I thought it was significant because it's like you pretty much kind of think, well, you're going to have to outpay the market big time to get any of these teams interested if they're trying to do right by the player because the player's not going to want to come here. Well, Russ is not against coming here. Now, let's get to the reality of what you know that means. I'll start with this. Why would Seattle trade Russell Wilson? They didn't trade him last year, even though it seemed like he wanted to be traded. He's got two years left on his deal. They brought back the coaching staff, Pete Carroll and company. Uh, They're not going to rebuild bringing Pete Carroll back and staff, right? They think they can win. They think they can win next year. And by the way, if you look at the way they played at the end of last year, when they got healthier, especially Russ got healthier, Rashad Penny got healthier, they played really good football down the stretch. They won four of their final six games. Their final two games, they scored 89 points. They beat Detroit 51-29, to and then they beat the Cardinals in the season finale 38-30 to in a game that Arizona had to win. If they had won that game, they would have won the division because the Rams were losing to the 49ers. And Seattle went in there and beat the Cardinals – in, in Glendale, 38-30, to 30, behind a much healthier Russell Wilson. Now, I will tell you, one of the real um, reasons for Seattle's late-season push, they ended up 7-10, and 10, by the way, was Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny had an unbelievable finish to the season for Seattle. He missed a bunch of games in, uh, in September and uh, October in particular, 
Over his final five games, he rushed for 137 yards. Then he had a, a game against the Rams, really good defense that they lost 20-10, to 10, where he only rushed for 39. His last three games, 17 carries 135 yards, 25 carries 170 yards, and 23 carries 190 yards. Rashad Penny's finish to the season, by the way, throw in there um, over those final five games, six touchdowns. I mean, he was really good once he got back and was healthy. And Russell Wilson, you know, we know because he came to Washington for that Monday night game and he wasn't, you know, that was his first game back off the off the thumb injury and he wasn't completely healthy. He ended up having one of the worst years of his career and for the first time only playing in 14 of 16 games, not all 16. So he still threw 25 touchdown passes and six picks. You know, his completion percentage was nearly 65%, which is his career um, average. Uh, but they didn't make the playoffs. You know, um, he did not make the playoffs uh, this year. They finished 7-10. and 10. And so there has been dis- some discussion about whether or not Seattle will trade him this year. But I would say that it doesn't make a lot of sense with two years left on his deal why Seattle would trade him. If they were going to trade him, why are they bringing back the coaching staff? Why aren't they just entering into a legitimate rebuild? Like, who are they going to get to play quarterback next year if they trade Russell Wilson? So, number one in terms of the reality check to Russell Wilson coming to Washington, not what I you know gave you news-wise, which is Russell Wilson wouldn't be against being traded to Washington – I just don't see why Seattle would trade him. You know what's becoming more apparent, and I think is a conversation that's happening even more now than it ever used to happen, is, well, who are we going to get? You have to have one of these guys. It's a pipe dream to just kind of think, oh, we can get um, Trent Dilfer and build around him. We can get Nick Foles and build around him. We can get Jimmy Garoppolo and build around him. The teams that have these guys and Russell Wilson's one of those guys, I mean, they've been to the playoffs. Russell Wilson came into the league in 2012. They went to the playoffs 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016. All right, they did not make it in 2017. They made it in 2018, 2019, and 2020, and then didn't make it this year. Every single year, Seattle was a legitimate player. Two Super Bowl trips, one Super Bowl win. Should have been two Super Bowl wins. They played in big games in January, year in and year out, because of one thing more than any other, and that was Russell Wilson. Period. Okay, number three. Uh, So why would you trade him? Okay, that's number one in terms of kind of a reality check to this. In terms of extrapolating it, extrapolating it out from Russ, you know, wouldn't be against a trade to Washington to it actually happening. So why would Seattle do it? Number two is let's just say Seattle was open to it. Well, just like with Green Bay, they're going to look at the AFC first, don't you think? You know, Pittsburgh, Denver, you know, as possibilities, they're going to look at the AFC first and they're going to say, we don't want them in our conference, certainly don't want them in our division. 
Um, not that anybody in the division um, is going to be looking for Russell Wilson. San Francisco is going to go with Trey Lance and Stafford's in you know, L.A. with the Rams and Kyler Murray's in Arizona with the Cardinals. But AFC, to me, you'd have to outbid an AFC team. And then even if the NFC or other NFC teams were a possibility – you're going to have to offer up the best package. Now, maybe Seattle, if they got to the point where they said, okay, we are going to trade him, maybe they would do with Russell Wilson what Detroit did with Matt Stafford last year, and that is try to accommodate him. But it was easy for Detroit, remember, because the Rams offered the best deal by a lot. So it's not like they had Washington sitting there with three firsts and Deron Payne you know, as a way to match um, you know, uh, the Rams, they, they didn't have a choice. They took the best offer. It just happened that the best offer was also the place where Matt Stafford wanted to go. I don't know how accommodating Seattle would be with, with Russell Wilson. They're going to take the best deal. So then you get to, will Washington pay the going rate or even exceed, like outbid everybody else? I believe actually, and this is just a gut feel, I believe that the answer to would Washington pay in terms of what it would take to get him, I think the answer to that would be yes. I just don't think Washington has much of a choice with you know the debacle that was last week, the debacle that is their season ticket base. You know they've got to make this new name and the new uniforms and the new branding. They've got to win and be significantly in the race to win right from the jump. They've got to be there. They got to be a contender. You're not going to be a, a contender, uh, more likely than not, uh, drafting Malik Willis at 11 or Kenny Pickett at 11. That's probably not going to make you an instant winner. You're probably not going to be a big-time contender if you sign Mitch Trubisky and draft somebody. You're certainly not going to be a big-time contender if you draft somebody and play Taylor Heineke. So I do think on the question of whether or not Washington would pay up, I think they would. But I think the bigger um, question really is, why would Seattle trade him? Uh, but, you know, uh, for those of us that have thought, yeah, they're not going to want to come here anyway, well, apparently Russ would not be against coming to Washington in a trade if, you know, Seattle decided to put him up on the market. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier, too, who said that a few people uh, in Mobile um, had mentioned Russell Wilson I'm not. I'm talking about um, reporters. I think um, uh, Garofalo, the guy from NFL Network, had uh, either reported or in a conversation said something. Oh, I know what it was. Ben Standig told me that he was on his podcast and mentioned that you know Russ and Washington would be a much better fit than most people perhaps think it would be. So something to get us started here um, on this Monday. Uh, Monday, February 7th, February 7th, uh, the Monday of Super Bowl week. The Super Bowl will be on its latest date ever this Sunday, February 13th. I was looking some stuff up literally right before my radio show this morning because I was thinking about um, what the latest date of the Super Bowl was prior to this year with the 17-game schedule. That's why we've got the latest date to the Super Bowl ever, February 13th, this coming Sunday. Uh, by the way, Cooley will be on the show this week to do a Super Bowl preview uh, with me. Tommy will be on with me tomorrow, and I'll have definitely a Super Bowl smell test uh, on Friday looking to try to get back to 500, which means I'll probably have some totals and some 
half totals in there, uh, first half uh, lines in there as well. Um, and there is a side I like a lot in this game. I'll just tell you right now, I like the Rams a lot. I think the Rams, first of all, the public seems to like Cincinnati um, coming off you know, the win at Arrowhead, uh, which is kind of surprising to me, I guess. Um, but I, I like the favorite in the Super Bowl this year. Had the dog in the Super Bowl last year. But I was, I was looking at dates. You know that um, – so February 13th will be the latest the Super Bowl's ever been held. There are three – the three latest Super Bowls prior to this year were three February 7th games. Last year's game was played on February 7th um, between the Bucks and the Chiefs. Uh, Super Bowl 50, which was the Carolina-Denver Super Bowl, was played on a February 7th. And um, the Saints beat the Colts in Super Bowl 44 on February 7th. And then for whatever reason, that got me going down this um, hole of when did the Super Bowl become a February thing? Because it wasn't always a February thing. For most of the Super Bowl's history, all right, it was a January thing. And I, I I landed on the first February Super Bowl was actually, actually accidentally. Well, not accidentally. It was because of a tragedy, 9-11. The first Super Bowl to be played in February was the February 3rd Super Bowl um, between the Patriots and the Rams. The first of what would be the Belichick-Brady run of nine Super Bowl trips in 18 seasons with six wins. That's really amazing when you think about it. Like I just, I was stuck on Pro Football Reference here uh, very early this morning. Just nine Super Bowl trips in 18 years, one every two years for the Belichick Brady Patriots, and they won six of them. Their first one was the 2000 um, uh, season um, when they won the Super Bowl over the Rams on February 3rd. They won that Super Bowl, and then all of the first 35 Super Bowls. All came in January. Um, they were all in January. In fact, the earliest the Super Bowl was ever played was January 9th, which was the date in which the regular season ended this year. I understand 17 regular season games, and January 9th, 1977 was the earliest the Super Bowl ever was. That was Super Bowl eleven between the Raiders and the Vikings in Pasadena. The Raiders smoked the Vikings 32-14. to 14. But, And it was a 14-game regular season back then. Uh, but the Super Bowl um, uh, was January 9th. Um, and that's the earliest the Super Bowl's ever been played was January 9th. Like, even the, the first Super Bowl was the 15th. The second Super Bowl was the 14th. Um, Super Bowl four was January 11th. But January 9th, 1977 was the earliest. And then this year, February 13th, 2022, will be the latest. The other thing that I just wanted to mention for those old-time 1970s football fans, you know, that Super Bowl featuring the Oakland Raiders and the Minnesota Vikings in January on January 9th, 1977, was a Raiders team that had finally beaten the Steelers in the playoffs. And that Steelers team, Steelers fans will tell you that the 76 Steelers may have been the greatest of all of the Steelers' 70s teams. The dynasty that was the Pittsburgh Steelers of the 70s, they won four Super Bowls in four trips. 
Uh, they beat the Vikings in their first Super Bowl trip, the Cowboys in their second, the Cowboys in their third, and then the Rams in their fourth Super Bowl. They went four for four with all of those Hall of Famers. But many Steelers fans will tell you that the 76 Steelers team was actually the best team. However, Bradshaw got hurt that year, only played half the games. They ended up 10-4, and four, and they had to play that AFC championship game against the Raiders on the road, and they lost 24-7. to seven. But that Steeler team, the 76 Steelers, that Steel Curtain Steeler team, they had five shutouts. It was a 14-game regular season. Five shutouts in 14 games. They held their opponents to three points or less in half of their games. So in seven of their 14 games, the teams they faced either didn't score or only scored three points in the game. Eight of their 14 uh, games, they allowed only six points or less. And in 12 of their 14 games, they held opponents to less than 20. We talk about the greatest defenses in NFL history, the 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, as an example. The 76 Steelers were unbelievable. And I know it's a different day and age, a different you know football that's played today. And it was a much more physical game defensively, and you could get away with just about anything uh, defensively. Um, but my God, that defense was unbelievable. The Steelers' defense was of that particular uh, era. Uh, they were so good. It was such a great team. Um, they just didn't have Terry Bradshaw for half the games. But listen to the Hall of Famers. Okay, listen to the Hall of Famers on this team, on the 76 Steelers. Um, Jack Lambert. Franco Harris, Terry Bradshaw, Jack Ham, Mel Blunt. Uh, who am I missing from here? Lynn Swan, um, John Stallworth. Right, Stallworth's a Hall of Famer. I'm pretty sure. Uh, what a team! What a rivalry the Steelers and Raiders of the 70s were. It was an incredible non-divisional rivalry, a within-conference rivalry. I guess you would call that an intra-conference rivalry. We haven't had a lot of those. Most of the greatest rivalries in NFL history are divisional rivalries. you know. But the greatest non-divisional rivalries are the Steelers-Raiders of the 70s. And then you could probably say the Cowboys-49ers of the 90s in particular. They played in three NFC Championship games. Um, And then you had the Brady versus Peyton Manning, the Patriots-Colts thing of the aughts in particular. You know, so those, those are kind of the biggest rivalries that weren't divisional rivalries in NFL history. I guess you could say the Steelers-Cowboys were a big rivalry in terms of you know one conference versus another. I think the Cowboys and Steelers having played each other in three different Super Bowls, um, that's the most of any matchup in Super Bowl history. Actually, we were pretty close to matching that this year. If the 49ers had, had won that game, the 49ers and Bengals would have been playing for a third time in a Super Bowl. Anyway, as he says anyway, all the time is a crutch. 
Uh, let's get to Andy Poland next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. It doesn't cost you a thing. Please rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify. Take you literally 30 seconds. You could pause it right now on Apple just to rate us five stars and give us a quick one to two sentence review. That's always a big help uh, for us. Uh, Andy Poland is my friend, longtime colleague uh, at WTEM 980 for many, many years. Um and I'm having you on the podcast today because, you know, you're one of the people, and you and I have been texting back and forth over the last uh, few days, but you're one of the people, like me, who are not only long, you know, time media members, Andy, longer than anybody in this market, but um, long time fans, uh, you know, from birth of this team. And I wanted to know how it struck you last week, sort of the finality of it all of the name not only being gone, as it has been for two years, but now a new name and and really, in many ways, a new look. Well, I heard your conversation with Zabe last week. Uh, I think it was Friday. And I don't know whether it was Zabe or you who hit this, but it, it feels like an expansion team. Yes. Uh, you know, it's it, it's got the different name. The uniforms are relatively the same, but the road jersey has strawberry instead of burgundy. It just... It just doesn't feel like the team that we have watched. But realistically, for the last 20 years, 
you know, what has it felt like anyway? Has it felt like anything we watched? I mean, I go back to the George Allen days. So I had, you know, almost, what, 20, 25 years of, of good football. Last 20 have been, eh, nothing. I know, but but we've been talking about that for a while. I mean, obviously, you know, the last 22 years specifically with Snyder owning the team have really, I think, sucked the life out of it uh, for a lot of us. Yeah. But I think there was... There was a finality to it, using one of John Madden's all-time favorite terms when a season would end. There's a finality of the, 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 of the whole thing. There was a finality yeah. to it with, like, that's not even our team that we're going to be watching. The announcer's going to be calling it a new name, and you're going to look out onto the field, and it's not even going to look like our team. And I... That's, and I was the one that mentioned expansion team, and I think that's kind of how I feel. I think it's even different yeah. from last week, but it doesn't sound like it's different for you, or am I wrong? Yeah, no, it, 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 it just feels – I'll tell you what. Like, my wife grew up in Baltimore. They had season tickets to the Colts, and the Colts left. And the Ravens came in with a new name and new colors, and the older people said, eh, you know, doesn't feel like it's the Colts. But they've been there so long that there are now generations of people who have no memory of the Colts, and the Ravens have been their team, and they've won two Super Bowls. I think that's, you know, I don't know if this team will win two Super Bowls, but I think as the years go by, people like you and me who have attachments to the old are going to go away, and there'll be a new generations of Commander fans who hopefully have a team that's a hell of a lot better than the one we've been watching for the last 22 years. I mean, you're very much kind of a, an historian when it comes to the team, and you know that I, you know, am, I think I get more nostalgic than you do about the team, and have been. I just felt mm-hmm. I felt like it was a bit sad the other day. Yeah, it, it, did it you was. feel that it way was. or not? Yeah, yeah, I, I did, but but I've felt sad for a long time. And you know, some some say, well, why don't you just give up your fandom to the team? Well, to me, it's like a son who has a drug problem. You know, I, I, it's still my son. I still love him. Am I upset he's got a drug problem? Yes. Uh, but, but, you know, that's, that's, that's the way I've looked at it for the last 25 years. I mean, look, you, you watch every game like I do. You take notes. Don't you spend most of the game kind of shaking your head, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even li- – uh, to be honest with you, uh, if I didn't do what I do for a living now, my passion's mm-hmm. been sucked down to a level in which there are many of the games I would have turned from many times and, and focused yeah, in yeah. on red zone or a better game. Right, yeah, me, me too. But but it, it's something that I've always done. Uh, I didn't have the red zone channel for most of my life watching the games. And you know how routine oriented I am, you know. Yeah, you're rather <laughs> Sunday creature of habit. Yeah, yes. Saturday, Sunday afternoon, if the game's on, <laughs> I'm watching it, you know, because <laughs> it's what I've always done. There was a time when, you know, I'd get down on my knees at third and one and I'd pretend I was Rigo trying to dive across the goal line, but those days are long gone. <laughs> those, are, those, are, those are ancient memories. I know. I, I wonder. Um... I wonder whether or not just age would have eventually kind of turned us into a different type of fan, uh, even if they had been great. But I don't know that that's true because I remember the glory days and I remember it was people of every ages, of every age, you know, down on their knees before um, before a Wade Wilson throw that Daryl Green was able to break up, uh, you know, intended for uh, for, right. for Nelson. Um 
you know, you, you know what got me, Kevin. Kevin you know what? And I, and I texted you about this last week. Uh, when when uh, Wright, Jason Wright, went in front of the Economic Club last week, and he said that they had raised the season ticket base eighty percent, and they hope to go to a hundred and fifty percent next year. I thought to myself, my God, how low could it have gone? We, we remember the days when people would fight about season tickets in divorces and in wills. And now the base is so low that you may raise it 150% next year. How, how many, how few could they have? 10,000 at most, right? Yeah, I, I think that that season ticket base probably prior to last year, doing the math, if you figure that, you know, it was roughly 25 to 30,000 fans, that, that ticket base could have been literally at like seven, 8,000. I, it's, yeah. I mean, these are things we've been talking about for a couple of years because obviously that that season ticket waiting list was was a complete and utter fabrication for for many many years. Yeah. But no, it's become it's it's really remarkable, right? That where we are, we've talked about this a lot together, and you've probably talked a lot about it on your show, and I have on on the, the shows that I'm on. It, it's 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 not believable that 30 years ago you and I would have had a conversation to say, you know, in the year 2022, um, there are going to be like six, seven, eight thousand season ticket holders. You're going to be the lowest in attendance in the league, and literally half the people that used to watch will be watching on television. And by the way, for both of us individually, we won't care near as much um and that's why i think like an expansion team would have actually been better because it would have come with new hope because it would have come with a new owner well that's the main thing yeah i mean that's the absolute main thing and and maybe jack kent cook was mashugana but he was beloved this guy is hated beyond anyone else who has ever owned a team in, in this area i mean maybe bob short who took the senators out of town in 1971 but but other than that, uh, yeah, we've we've got that, and and also you know uh, back to to the attendance. Zabe said this to me on the air within I think the last fifteen years. He said we're five years away from blackouts. That's when the NFL still had the blackout rule, and I said, oh, absolutely not. I mean, they haven't even reached the point where they're putting individual tickets for sale. You know, it's still only season tickets, season ticket only sales. Well, that deteriorated in in rapid time. I mean, yeah. it was incredible how fast that deteriorated. Well, fortunately, the blackout rule was was outdated anyway, and so they did away with the blackouts. But yeah, I, yeah. I mean, by the way, the Bob Short thing really isn't even a good comp because five thousand people were going to Senators games in nineteen seventy one when they moved. I think Dan Snyder legitimately is the most despised non-politician in the history of the city that you and I call home as actual, you know, born and raised Washingtonians. I don't think there's a, a close second. No, a short would be second because, you know, we, we didn't have baseball for 30, 40 years. I think years John Wilkes left, Booth but... would be second. Um, that he would, he would be second uh, to Snyder. You know, I was thinking about this. You actually, among the people in the media in the early days, you actually, I don't want to say got to know him, but you spent some time with him, right? In those early days. I did. I did the, the, I think I did the first interview with him after he was named owner. They named him at uh, the owner's meetings. I think they were taking place in Miami. And we still, when radio stations used to actually have money to spend, uh, we sent a reporter named Rich Cook down there. 
and he was standing outside the meeting room with a cell phone, and he put it in Snyder's hand, and I was sitting in a studio, and I interviewed him, and one of the questions that I asked him was about the name, because at the time, uh, there was litigation going on in court, you know, whether they would have the trademark rights and so forth, and, I, and there was a lot of people who thought, oh, 34-year-old Jewish guy, you know, he's probably going to be open to the idea of changing the name. And he said he wouldn't change the name, but I then followed up with, well, what if you lose the trademark rights? And I don't think he had any idea what I was talking about. But that was his position from the beginning. I also did an interview with him, uh, I want to say, three or four years into his tenure, uh, which he denied a lot of things that I've later found out to be true. Uh, what? We put him in the Jewish Sports, sports Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, so I had, I wouldn't say I have a relationship with him, but I would say that I encountered him, talked to him, met him three, four, five times over the years. What did he deny that you later found out to be true? Uh, well, I mean, there, there was one uh, that, that they were not, that they were going to name, um, uh, who was the guy now, his name escapes, the, the guy who came with uh, with FedEx, who was uh, Pepper Rogers. Oh, yeah. He denied that. And, and, and he was, they were going to hire him when they fired Norv Turner. And he said that that didn't happen. Um, trying to remember, there were there were there were a variety of things, but but you know, I mean, pre-Trump, it was it was kind of jarring to find out that he just basically lied to my face. <laughs> all right. Well, we do this all the time, where we you know we sit here and bash the owner. It's old. I mean, we everybody in town knows yeah. that it's probably not going to change as long as he's here, but that doesn't stop us from talking about football anyway. So, let's talk about football. Who do you want them to get? Uh, to be their next quarterback. What would you like the quarterback result to be here in the offseason? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's it. I mean, I mean you know, it, it, I've seen Russell Wilson not be very good. Now, the Rodgers also, you have to look at what is his record post-Super Bowl and playoff? Seven and nine, right? No. So, uh, oh, post-Super Bowl? Yeah, post-Super Bowl, it's a, it's a losing record. Now, I think it's 12 and 11 overall, yeah. something like that, yeah. Seven and nine post Super Bowl and and losing, but just getting to these games would be a help. Yeah, and good quarterback play is something that we haven't seen since when Kirk was Kirk at times was good, just not consistently good. But yeah, I mean, consistently good quarterback play. How far back do you have to go, Brad Johnson? Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. We we. I mean, Aaron Rodgers puts them into contender status immediately. By the way, so does Russell Wilson. Um, you know, he yes. puts them into contender yes. status as well. I'm with you, by the way, given the choice, and I did a call segment on this on the radio show this morning. If, you know, the price were the same and they were both, you know, not against coming here, which would you prefer? Most people said Russell Wilson because he's five years younger. I said Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I would yeah. love three years of Aaron Rodgers at his, you know, at his peak powers. Because I think you'd you'd make you'd make legitimate you know runs for, and we play in games that they haven't played in in thirty years, like you know actual yeah. you know beyond the divisional round. You know they haven't played in the divisional uh, like, round since two thousand and six. I mean that's amazing. Yeah, yeah and that, and that was a, a miserable performance against Seattle, which they were totally overmatched. No, I I think that that Charlie Castle told me this, and this is this may be twenty years ago. Charlie said it used to be you have a five year plan in the NFL. Now it's two. So if your plan is two years, what's the big deal about taking a quarterback who's 38 years old? That, to me, you know, after what we saw Tom Brady, uh, the level he played at the last couple of years, plus 
I, I would draft somebody. I would draft. I would, I would take a quarterback in the first round if you have a first round pick. If you make a, a deal for Rodgers, but I, I would draft a quarterback and hope you develop somebody. But yeah, I, I, for for three years for Rodgers, why not? Sure. Oh my God! I mean, there isn't a price that I don't think I would pay. I mean, the the point here is. I, I think all of us have come to the realization that as long as Dan Snyder owns the team, there's only one perfume, and that is an elite Hall of Fame kind of quarterback. Just like it was, right, Andy, when Peyton Manning joined the Jim Irsay-led you know, Indianapolis Colts. Just like it was right. when Bidwell struck gold by you know, signing Kurt Warner when he was still playing at a Hall of Fame level. I mean, it's pretty much the only thing. And even if it's just a two- or three-year run, it would be nice. Although, um, I- I'm still a little bit skeptical as to what it would do. I think it would generate a ton of interest if they were able to trade for a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. A ton of interest. Mm-hmm. But I wonder oh, yeah, yeah. With, with which group of people, younger people, or do you think people like us or people that we know that have checked out would be back in? Uh, I, I wonder about the number of people our age that have really checked out. There, there's some, obviously. But I think that they've lost really two generations. And I look at my son. Your kids are a little bit younger. But uh, I, I think by the way they've played, they just haven't regenerated the new fans. So when you look at the television ratings, the Ulta Cockers like me are still watching because we watch television. Uh, whether that brings them back in, whether that brings them in the fans, yeah, it would probably help. Also, look at the effect of, of a good quarterback. Last year, after Joe Burrow got hurt, a lot of people said, oh, yeah, same old Bengals are going to ruin this guy. They can't protect him, and they're going to still stink. And one year later, they're in the Super Bowl. And so I think if you had that guy, whether you're not going to probably draft him, but yeah, if you brought in a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers, this team immediately becomes respectable. And you probably have to have, and, and I, was, I, I know you read that Albert Breer story on the air, and I looked yeah. at that as well, uh, where, where there's enough cap room where if Rodgers comes, he brings Devontae Adams, maybe. And that gives you two top receivers and a thousand yard running back. I mean, that's and an offensive line that even when they lose guys seems to be able to protect pretty well. So to me, that's that's a formula for winning. Does any do radio shows go to Radio Row for the Super Bowl anymore? Dave and I were talking about that on his podcast last night. I I really don't know. I, last Radio Row that I did would have been uh, the one in New Orleans when I guess San Francisco played the Ravens. And I, I you know, it, it had devolved into such a point where, you know, like there's like, you have to do like uh, horse trading. Like uh, if, if you want like an A-list guest, you have to take the one-legged tap dancer. You know, oh like my that. God, yeah. <laughs> it really was. You know? I mean, the people they would parade around, hey, you know, you can get such and such, but you got to take these four guys. You know, half of them, yeah, God bless yeah. them, you know, were really impacted by too many years playing football. Well, that's another thing. That's what our friend Tom Lavera likes to talk about. It's like the tobacco convention where they parade around people who have cancer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That, that was the last one you went to? Didn't you? Weren't you in San Francisco with us? That was a fun time. No, I think I think I was fired before that. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Sorry about that. <laughs> you know those yeah. those Super Bowl radio row, uh, weeks. It would be like, oh god, do we really have to? And then it was fun once we got there. You know, once it we got fun. there. It was, yeah, I mean, 
yeah, there was there was money. We'd have some nice dinners, and it was like <laughs> they called at one point the Fuller Brush Convention, <laughs> where you see all your guys from around the country. But you know, if you're doing a full week of it, after a while, that blue curtain gets real old, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> and and so I, I enjoyed doing. I probably went to. I must have done 20 radio rows. I, I think I've been to about 25 Super Bowls. And, uh, you know, it was the opportunity rows. I'd do it again. But I, I don't even know what the business is like anymore. I think everything has totally changed in the 10 years since I've, I've done one. I always felt, too, and I, I think you and I, I think we were on the same page on this. When the station was spending big bucks to send all the shows out there and we'd all be out there, you know, we'd leave on Sunday and come back. I'd always come back on Friday. I didn't care about staying for the game. Um, I always felt like the bang wasn't worth the bucks. Like, you know, ultimately, you know, parading, you know, uh, Paul Horning and Max McGee around, um, to, from one table to the other. And then, you know, getting Buck Buchanan to stop by maybe so you could get like a Kurt Warner or something to talk Super Bowl. Um, it was, uh, it just wasn't worth it. You know, it just... It, I don't. I don't think well, the listeners I, necessarily cared if you were there or not. I go back to the days. This is how far back I go. Uh, before everybody got attached to a product, you it was a free for all. So you you would be in Radio Row, and Jerry Jones would walk in, and twelve twenty two year old pimple faced producers fresh out of Syracuse <laughs> would attack him like a school of piranhas. Right. And, <laughs> come to our table. Come to our table. And, uh, and and then everything got you know kind of organized and corporatized and uh, and and it was what it was. I, again, I, I, I having not been to one in a long time, I couldn't really even tell you what it's like now. Yeah, I'm not saying I miss it um, at all. I mean, you know, when when we would go, I mean, I ended up having to essentially be a, a chauffeur for Lavero anyway. You know, have to, have to <laughs> yeah. drop him off at front doors everywhere and then go park and walk two miles because uh, Lavero wasn't going to walk. Um, but, uh, but we had some fun times. All right. Um, back oh, the Dal- Dallas one real quick. You remember the Dallas of one? Of course. The ice storm? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and that's before Tom had his knees replaced. Yeah. So he... the hotel was like six, well, the I... hotel was 600 yards from the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. He took a cab. <laughs> well, the, the, it wasn't a hotel. First of all, it was a motel yeah. and, and it was yeah, basically, right. you know, six feet from the highway. And none of us were very happy about it, but I just remember Tom's like, I, I can't walk on this, and I'd have to bring the bring the car right up to his room door, basically, have him climb in and then drop him off right in front. Um, that was that was a hellish week for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, back to Snyder for a second. What do you think happens? Mm-hmm. Do you think any of this leads to him being in in jeopardy of losing the team? No, no, and, that, and I heard your conversation with Neil and Rockville uh, today mm-hmm. that uh, they they can basically bury this, and and this is what Goodell is paid to do, you know. I mean, and and he's playing the shell game with the uh, Brian Flores suit too. Uh, I, I I don't really think it sees the light of day, and uh, I think I think the, the company line is this happened a long time ago. We've moved on. Uh, Jason Wright said they've turned over the front office of the, the, the personnel under him 100%. And I think that's the message. You know, that's ancient history. We're a different team now. So I, I don't think anything happens. I don't think Snyder loses the team. I don't think, I don't think, and what are they going to do? You know, they, they said, what, since uh, last summer 
that he's uh, away from day to day. Have you seen any evidence of that? No, he shows I, up at I, all the games. I, I had Ron Rivera on the show every week during the season, and on two different occasions, I just. I don't even know why I asked. I just said, so have you had any discussions with, with Dan and Tanya? And he's like, yeah, I see Dan around the building. And, you know, and I said, is he positive, supportive? Yeah. So it's not like he – look, Snyder went out of his way, Andy, to call people who had said on the air – he called Tom or written that he was fined or he was suspended. His lawyers called Tommy and said it wasn't Dan who was suspended. That, uh, it wasn't Dan who was fined. It was the team who was fined, and Dan was not suspended. Suspended, right. not at all. Right. So, yeah, I, I think yeah. I think that's the, the answer. I think that they will just continue to point to you know there's this um, this uh, audit that came out of their current situation, and it was reported by Axios last week that said that all of a sudden the culture is you know 100 percent different. It's it's a top top shelf yeah. culture now. You know. Uh, in the NFL right. with uh, all of the diversity right, right. and all of the stuff in place sure. to make sure these things don't happen. And also, you don't have the slimy Bruce Allen speaking like every three years. You have a, a very polished president uh, who's, who's got very advanced degrees uh, speaking very, very eloquently about the situation. So I think that, that they're in a public relations position now where they can try and convince the public that the page has been turned and they're not the organization they were four or five years ago. Yeah, the team president who oversaw the change of the name and the brand and got the championship years wrong on the crest. Well, <laughs> again, but 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 you know that uh, matters to you. It matters to me, yeah, but it may not matter to the overall. Public. Look, I mean, I I've said to anybody that will listen, there they need. People and I've thrown your name out, and I said, "Me, you, couple of people, you bring yeah. us in, and just to, to to audit what you're about to do, just to make sure you, you stop making boneheaded mistakes, whether it's the Sean Taylor thing or the or the new crest for the for the logo or whatever it was. Anyway, who cares? All right, who do you like in the Super Bowl? I kind of like this kid. I, I uh, you know, I, I it, it, you know, what it reminds me of now. Montana was a third round pick. And it happened in his third year. But what happened with the 49ers is they came out of nowhere. That first Super Bowl, they had been a terrible team the year before. They had lost a few games early. And then, like in October, they blew out Dallas. And then they rematched them in the championship game and, you know, the famous Dwight Clark catch. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two Joes. And I think somehow, even though. You know, he got sacked nine times a couple of games ago, and the Rams' front front four is tremendous. Front line is tremendous. I, I just find I just think he's going to find a way to win, and this kicker is going to kick you know a seventy-five yard game winner somehow. I don't know, but the, uh, somehow I think Cincinnati's going to win this game. They do have a great kicker, and you're right. I mean, the Montana 49ers, they were two and fourteen two years before. They won the whole right. thing um, and came out of yeah. nowhere to do it. Uh, nobody was expecting it. Uh, all right, that's it. Uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Hope you're well. Thanks, Kevin. Talk right, to you. Always good to catch up with Andy. A uh, few more things from over the weekend, which we will finish up with right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's finish up uh, the show with just a couple of other things that happened um, over the weekend. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Wizards first. They lost to the Phoenix Suns on Saturday um, by a lot. Uh, they were down at halftime 59-32. to 59-32 to was the score. They lost 95-80. to uh, The 80 points, the fewest uh, for the Wizards, uh, this year uh, in a game. Um, it was hideous to watch. Look, Phoenix is really good. And Phoenix is really good defensively. Although going into that game, and it's funny, I was looking at the point spread and I was wondering, could the Wizards actually put together another game like they put together against the Sixers the other night? Um, but before they played the Wizards, they had given up the Suns had. 124 to the Hawks, 111 to the Nets, and 110 uh, to the Spurs, and 124 to the Timberwolves. So I, I thought, you know, the 80 in particular was a standout uh, number um, for the recent Phoenix Suns games. For those of you that don't follow the NBA, and I know many of you don't, Phoenix is the best team in the NBA. Uh, the Western Conference champions of last year um, and the NBA champion runner-up to Milwaukee, they're 42-10 on the year. Um, they are really, really good. Phoenix and Golden State out west, and right now it is really jumbled up in the east. I mean, I think Chicago is excellent. I think Miami Healthy is excellent. Uh, Milwaukee's right there uh, again. Um, Cleveland, and they just pulled off this trade for Karis LeVert. Uh, the Sixers, there are a lot of good teams in the east, uh, even though the Brooklyn Nets are fading quickly. they got all sorts of issues. But here's the thing. The trade deadline for the NBA is Thursday. And the Wizards, you know, are, there's, there are rumors flying around right now about various deals involving the Wizards. And the Wizards players have been talking about, you know, kind of, and even Beal said, the looming tra- trade deadline and people wondering if they're going to be there or not be there, etc., um, has really weighed on them. The bottom line is they look disinterested as a basketball team. They look disinterested. Um, but one of the rumors out there is somehow they're going to bring they're going to cut a deal to bring Sabonis from Indiana to Washington. You know, you got Montrose Harrell as an example on an expiring contract. It, it, all of these proposed deals, you know, we can evaluate them when and if they happen because I think the Wizards should be um, maneuvering here at the trade deadline. But the big one is Bradley Beal. You have to know if Bradley Beal is going to sign to stay here. Because if he isn't and you don't trade him by Thursday's deadline, you made a major error and you missed out on bringing a whole lot back for a player that's got significant value, maybe less value today than he had a year ago. But still, 
I had Tommy Shepard on the show a couple of weeks ago, and Tommy said, we, we have an understanding. Brad wants to be here. And we would know. Like, you know, essentially saying, Brad would come and tell us if he's not going to be here. What I'd, what I'd hate to see happen is, you know, this summer, yeah, I changed my mind. I know I probably should have told you before the trade deadline. I changed my mind. Um, it's going to be very interesting the next couple of days to see if the Wizards are involved in any deals and to find out if something, you know, if, if they go to Bradley Beal and say, we need to know. And if he says, I'm staying, okay, there's a real relationship there, and it's nice to have a player of his caliber want to be here. But as I've said many times, if Bradley Beal is your number one player, you're not going to contend for a title. That's not going to happen. Um, the college basketball from over the weekend, uh, I wanted to mention the Georgetown situation for two reasons. Number one is this. Georgetown is winless in the Big, t- in the big East. They are 6-15 and 15 and have not won a Big East game. They are 0-10 in the Big East. Most of their games and most of their losses have not even been close. Their closest Big East game was a three-point loss at Butler. They just haven't been close in the Big East. This has to be it for Patrick, right? I would think it's got to be it for Patrick. Um, would be interesting to see who would be interested in the Georgetown job because there is a former coach from the other superpower, if you will, in the market who I think will be sought after uh, this offseason. Um, I wanted to mention one last thing before the end of the show. Providence uh, had a terrific um, performance in their game against Georgetown yesterday. And it was by a kid, uh, a young man, young man that I know, because he played at Georgetown Prep on one of Georgetown Prep's best basketball teams ever. They finished uh, number two in the city in 2018, won the IAC regular season, won the IAC tournament. Uh, Jared was a first-team All-Met. Jared Bynum was. I mean, I got to see every single one of his games because my son was on the team. My son didn't play at all, nor should he have played um, at all. Um, but it was an incredible experience for him to be on a team that had four future Division One players on the team. They were loaded, and they were really good. Um, and Jared was a really, really fun player to watch and to watch grow over the years that he was at Georgetown Prep. And I'm so excited that he has turned into an excellent college basketball player. He had 32 points in 31 minutes yesterday for Providence. He was 7 of 8 from behind the arc, made 6 of his first 6 from behind the arc. Some of them were impossible shots with the shot clock winding down. He had 5 steals and 5 rebounds as well. He's turned into an excellent college basketball player. He's a junior in terms of his standing right now at Providence, the 15th ranked team in the country. They are 20 and 2 under one of my favorite coaches for many, many years, Ed Cooley. I've always been, as many of you know, a huge Ed Cooley fan. I just think the dude can flat out X and O it with the best of them. Uh, And Providence and Jared Bynum in particular are going to be fun to watch in March. All right, that's it for today. Back tomorrow with Tommy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.